Last time I checked, I was still a kid. Childish, childish. This all freaks me out a bit. Hey, after you drop off the kids or put them to bed, turn on Childish with real life friends and podcasting virtuosos Greg Fitzsimmons and Allison Rosen. Laugh about the struggles and joys of parenthood. Grow closer to your children. Learn something useful or not. Maybe feel less alone. And maybe even put the spark back into your love life. Childish is for people who are parents or had parents. If you had no parents, maybe check out WTF with Mark Marin. Subscribe to Childish. New episodes coming soon wherever you listen to podcasts. Childish, oh shit. Last time I checked, I was still a kid. Childish, childish. This all freaks me out a bit. Childish, oh shit. How can I pet when I'm still a kid? Childish, oh shit. Allison Rosen. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am sitting here in the temporary studio with comedian, writer, famous guy that you may not have heard of yet, which is how his publicists describe him, and I think you should have a word with them about that. <laughs> Chad Daniels, he has a new special out, just came out, it is called Dad Chaniels, which I enjoy, just on a linguistic level and a fun level. Um, over 700 million streams. He's been yeah. streamed over 700 million times. That's so many. Uh, and he, his special, the one I just mentioned, was produced by none other than Tom Segura. He's done a bunch of late night. Um, he's one of the three comedians who were shadowed in the documentary, I Need You to Kill, uh, which I initially wrote down on this notepad here as You Need to Kill. And I'm like, I feel like it was a little bit different than that. Uh, <laughs> and this hour that he just releases his sixth hour, he estimates that means it's his fifth album, but he's had so many albums out. Who needs an exact number? Chat and he's friends with friend of the show, very regular guest, uh, David Huntsberger. Hello, Chad Daniels. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. How how's it going? It's going great. Now it's just let's see, like five days after your special. No, three. I don't even know how many days it is. Your special was just released. Yes, it was. Has your life changed? So so much. <laughs> I uh, I started getting double doubles mm-hmm. at In and Out. Okay. Because I get a little extra cash. Right. So it's like. Yeah, treat Splurge. yourself. Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, but really, <laughs> it has not changed even a little. Uh, it's I think it's one of those things, right? Where you put it. It's yeah, someone on their birthday. Do you feel a year older? And they're like, nope. Feels like the next day from yesterday. The it's only what it feels like. The only birthday where I actually remember like standing a little taller and feeling like I am truly an adult now was when I turned five years old. Interesting. For real, I remember walking into my sister's room. Uh, my sister is younger than I am and like seeing her in her crib and just being like, I am five years old and feeling very tall and very special. Yeah. So this year, and this is going to blow your mind because I look like I am 63 years old, but I'm only 44, but I have two teenage kids. Mm -hmm. So I turned 44 and I never had a problem with birthdays, but I thought next year's 45 and that's 50 and that's dead. Like that was the thought that went through my head. So I don't, I don't know. I don't, uh. Well, 50 is a famous midlife crisis age. Yeah, but I mean, which is weird because who lives to be 100? Mm-hmm. I you know. know. It's a little uh, a little uh, generous. 
I had a midlife crisis when I was 27, mm. and that means like 54, I'm out. Right. What happened at 27? I don't know. I just felt like I was getting old and didn't care for it. Did you already have kids? Yeah. So I had my son when I was 23, and then my daughter when I was 28. Mm-hmm. And you were married, and you talk about your marriage on your first album. Yeah, I talk about my marriage ones. up until uh, my album before this was called Footprints on the Moon. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't talk about her on that because that's when we were going through our divorce. Mm-hmm. And then I will not talk about her anymore. I mean, she's lovely and that's just not fair. So, Can I ask what happened though? Sure, yeah. We uh, we fell out of love. Mm-hmm. If, if that's uh, People say you can't do that, but then I'm like, well, we did. So mm-hmm. don't, you know. Um, I think when you get married, there's probably... Uh, you're little. You're in a gray area, and you assume that you're going to grow towards one another. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe just towards the end, we started kind of drifting apart. Right? Had you met when you were real young? Yeah, we met in fifth grade. We dated as wow. senior. Went to senior prom together. Wow. Yeah. I'm... So so it could have. We had the potential. It could have been this fantastic story. Mm-hmm. But then I, uh, you know, there you go. Yeah. But then you fucked it up. Yeah. Um, I am always. Baffled and mystified by people who find their soulmate, for lack of a better word, at such a young age, just because I know that I was like such a different person. Now, I know that you're an example that what I'm saying is right. It didn't happen. Exactly. (laughs) But still, you were together a long time. Yeah, that's true. I think we, you know, you try to make it work. You have, you know, like her family is was my family for 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. So that that is difficult after that long to make the decision. But um, I I can't speak for her and i i won't but i if i had to guess i would say she's much happier mm-hmm. i am happier it worked out well we live eight blocks away you know still share two kids that's how that works mm. so you didn't just divvy them up yeah okay you get this one we did for taxes <laughs> but not not physically right did you always want to have kids i did yeah so two things i remember wanting to do when i was younger was be a dad and be a comedian And so, um, unfortunately for my ex, be a husband was not on that list, but, Mm. uh, uh, yeah, I did. And I, I don't think I would have, we accidentally got pregnant with my son. Mm -hmm. Um, we were just dating, we were just boyfriend, girlfriend at the time. And, uh, I don't think I would have had kids that early, Mm -hmm. but I'm very thankful that my hand got forced a little bit because, you know, like I said, I'm 44, my son's 19. I can go up to where he goes to college and, and hang out. And I'm not, you know, I can still, if they're doing something like playing football or something, I can still do that mm-hmm. instead of being, you know, in my sixties, just like, Oh boy. Yeah. So I am thankful for that. Yeah. Uh, my husband and I are old parents and part of the reason I just had my second kid. And part of the reason that we really wanted a sibling for Elliot. Well, I really wanted a sibling for Elliot because I want, I knew I wanted two kids, Sure, but my husband's <laughs> He's like, look, I'm just not going to be here that long. He needs someone to play with. I'm like, Where, how fast are you going anywhere? Like, you're not that old. Uh, so you are from Minnesota? Yeah, correct. You grew up there? Yep, I live in the same town that I grew up in. Talk about that. I mean, what do you want to know? Mm, was that always the plan? Do you love it? It was, uh, it was not always the plan. We moved away for 10 years. My wife grew up there as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, so all our families are there. And then when we had kids, um, I was on the road a lot. And I came home one day and I thought, you know, she does not look thrilled about much. And so I said, you know, we sat down, we talked about it. And I said, why don't you see? there's a community college in the mm-hmm. town where we live. And I said, she worked at a private college, which is like obviously much better. 
but I said, why don't you just check and see if they're looking for anything? And then she went online and they, they were looking for basically everything they were looking for was her resume. So all she had to do was throw her name on it. And then, um, she got the job immediately and we moved back and, uh, I don't mind it. You know, I know a lot of people, a lot of people stayed. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people I went to high school with are there and, um, it can be, and you know, it's a small town, so it's rumor mill city. You know, you screw up, everybody knows about it, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And have you? Screwed up? Mm -hmm. Daily. (laughs) So... But you must be traveling for comedy all the time, right? Uh, you know, when I'm gone, it's maybe like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it's mm-hmm. two or three weeks a month. So, uh, you know, I'm, I have my daughter, son's at school, have my daughter 50% of the time, make sure I'm home. I, I never tour for, you know, long stretches of time so I can be home and right. not miss things. Remind me how old your kids are. Son's 19, my daughter's 15. She's, so they're, my son took a year off of school, so mm-hmm. they're both freshmen. Mm. Sons in college, daughters in high school. Nice. Where does your son go or do you not say that? Uh, I don't. But uh, thank you for asking. That was very nice. You're welcome. (laughs) It's just I want you to know I care. (laughs) Well, that way I didn't have to be like, I'm not telling you. (laughs) Something made me suspect you don't based on the vagueness of of the way you had described something about his schooling before. Okay. Um, So like a flashing stop sign, I had to just roll right through that intersection with my question. <laughs> now, do you not mention it because you have 700 million streams, which means you're quietly extremely well known? Well, no, first of all, no one has any idea what I look like. Number if you pulled up from the time I started comedy to now, you could pull up 15 different pictures mm-hmm. and think they were 15 different people. Yeah, you do look different than every, uh, every time. Yeah. So I'm not even sure who you are right now. Which is not, I'm actually Chad's at In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> who, who's this then? I'm is it Eric. I'm part of the Eric. team. I'm part of the team. Okay. I, uh, I like that there's a team. You're yeah. at the level where you have a team now. <laughs> but in all, in all, in all serious, what comes after in all? Seriousness? Honest? honest? Fairness? Oh. In all realities. Okay. You do have a team because there's two women who are part of your team just on the other side of our door. Yeah. So I'm not... I've been working with a publicist mm-hmm. and I'd never met her cause I don't live here. And so also my manager lives here and those that's who's outside. They don't just, they don't see me very often. So gotcha. I think when I'm here, they're trying to be part of my life. Well, but they are part of my life. They're very you, you nice. Know. Yeah. They're great. They're very nice. Uh, okay. I was headed somewhere. Oh yes. So why do you not mention where your son goes to school? Uh, I just don't like it's his life. And so I kind of, you know, if, if people hear me on a podcast, it's not that big of a, a town. Mm-hmm. So I don't want them like sniffing around and wondering. I mean, obviously we have the same last name. So, right. And now how does that work in terms of doing jokes about your, your family? Well, I keep it, you know, it's basically about our life. I don't really give locations. Mm-hmm. So, um, Oh, I know, but I mean, when, how do they feel about it? Yeah. And where do you draw the line? Well, they draw the line. Oh, So anytime I come with up with a story about them, um, once it's written out and flushed out, I ask them mm-hmm. if I'm, if they care if I talk about it. And so like I just did a a set on Conan talking about my daughter got her first period at my house, not her mother's house. Mm-hmm. And so uh, three months leading up to Conan, I would ask her, are you sure? Are you positive I can do this? The day of, I was like, I will cancel it if you're getting nervous about it. So I just want to make sure because that's kind of a, that's a big one, you know, teenage girl, people are yeah. going to see it where she lives. So I just want to make sure. So they have veto power. And have they ever vetoed something that you were really in love with? My daughter has. My son never has. Interesting. Yeah. And were you really like, okay, it's being excised from the set? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If they don't want it, that's it. I'm not going to try to talk them into it. There are times I've tried to talk them out of it and they're mm. like, it doesn't matter. My son, so they both kind of had the same thing. When my son was younger, you know, I talked about finding a ruler on the bathroom sink where, of his bathroom. And uh, I go, are you sure you're me talking about this? And he goes, I mean, ultimately you're talking about every 15 year old boy from the beginning of time. That's was, so wise. Well, that's the thing. And then I've heard him say the dumbest shit in the world. <laughs> so when he does say that, it really blows my mind. <laughs> And then my daughter had the same answer. You know, they didn't talk about it. I said, you know, I, I have a story about you you having your first period here because I think it's really endearing and it was a, a day I'll never forget. Um, and she goes, well, every every woman gets their period. And I was like, who are you two? Now, is that is that you rubbing off on them or your wife or just society? I think maybe all three. I mean, you know, my kids and I have a very open and honest relationship about everything. I want them to be able to tell me anything at all. So, and it's been that way from the beginning. Uh, and, um, yeah, I think that's part of it. Mm -hmm. Sure. What was your childhood like? Let's see. Uh, I was just telling Sam, my manager, this story. It it blows my mind. I don't know. Are your parents together? They're together. Okay. But I'm my dad's second go at marriage. So I he, okay. I have brothers from his first marriage. Okay, gotcha. My parents got married because of me when they were I think 18. Mm-hmm. So they were very young. I'm like post-prom prodigy. That's <laughs> the story I heard was my dad saw my mom changing through the crack in the door and then now I'm here. Mm-hmm. So um But where did he see her changing? I think they were just like at at her house, oh, okay. at my grandparents' house. Got it. And so uh so they had a rough go at it. And there was one time where I was just, we were all sitting around eating soup, watching TV in the living room. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anyone's else experienced where your one parent would tell you to tell your other parent something that mm-hmm. was sitting closer to them. <laughs> yes. So it was almost like when nowadays cell phones have to, you're texting someone in the room, cell phone has to go up to a satellite, mm. then back down to the person you're sitting next to. <laughs> So she, I mean, that kind of shit. So it made me laugh because she, she's like, Chad, can you please tell your father to stop slurping his soup? Mm-hmm. And I was so baffled. I was like, that father? The one sitting <laughs> just, an, en- you? just yeah. an end table between you? Mm-hmm. And then he w- and then he answered through me. He, mm-hmm. You know, he would say, uh, Chad, can you tell your mother that this soup is hot and I'll slurp it if I want to? And I was like, <laughs> I don't think I need to do any of this. So that's kind of the... The dynamic? Yeah. It was a very interesting one. Do you have siblings? I do. I have a little sister who's five years younger than me. Mm-hmm. So wait, did your parents end up staying together though? No, they are divorced. And how old were you when that happened? Um, I was maybe eighth grade. So that puts my sister in third grade. Was that tough? Uh, not for me. It was great because then everything calmed down. I didn't have to be the go-between between mm-hmm. two adults in the same room. <laughs> so that was nice. And, uh, you know... My sister, I think, had a tougher time because daddy's a little girl kind of a situation. Right. And my dad, he lived he lived across town in a town of 13,000 people, which was maybe two miles away, and we wouldn't see him for like six months at a time, which doesn't bother me, mm-hmm. but I do think it affected her a little bit. It didn't bother you at all? I don't think so. I mean, I, I loved... I was at that age where the less, the less parents around, the better. Mm-hmm. So I kind of enjoyed the freedom of it. Right. And then was your mom strict? Uh strict enough i mean you know when it was go time she would put the hammer down but uh 
you know, she kind of let us make our own mistakes and figure things out. Mm -hmm. Um, what was that like being, I believe the psychological term would be, uh, I don't know why I started the sentence that way. Cause now I'm like, wait, is it a term I've heard triangulate <laughs> triangulating? So that's when you're put in the middle of your parents. What okay. was that experience? I mean, it sounds like you're a little bit, you have like some, uh, resentment over it. I just thought it was so weird. I think that's when I, I think that's when I stopped really listening to adults mm. when they were like, Hey, you need to do this. I'm like, nah, I don't know if that's right. Cause I ha was the go between, between two of you that were next to one another. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I think I, I, you know, took school a little less seriously, teachers, things mm -hmm. like that. Cause I'm like, I don't trust adults. You guys are right. idiots. Did, at what point did that change? Well, I still don't trust adults. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, then what do you consider adults? Uh, 18 plus. Mm -hmm. I was thinking last <laughs> night I w or yesterday, I was thinking about that, that phrase, uh, don't trust anyone over 30. Interesting. I've never Which, heard that. Oh, you haven't heard uh -uh. that? That was like a thing that I believe that was said in the 60s. Okay. Uh, among the counterculture. Don't trust anyone over 30. Sure. And I don't know how much I trust people under 30 now, but that's just because how, of how old I am. Well, I trust, so um, I was kind of, a, I think because of all that stuff, I think I was a bit of a fixer, mm -hmm. right? People pleaser. So I, I used to lie quite a bit just to like make sure there was no trouble, right? I'd be like, hey, did you do this? I'd be like, no, of course not. I don't want consequences, right? So uh, about three years ago, I stopped lying altogether. Mm. And um, that's been very interesting to me. And so... Uh, when I w did lie, I had trouble trusting people. Mm -hmm. And now that I don't, I, I trust a lot more. That's so interesting. Well, cause I think it was like, if I can lie, everyone can lie. Right. And I, then I thought, you know, the other side of it is, well, if I can turn it around, so can everybody else. So, mm -hmm. so like, uh, I oh mean, I have a lot of questions. Sure. Uh, what kind of, like, who would you be lying to and what kind of lies? Anybody. Like, did you watch, I mean, anything from, Hey, did you watch the game? Uh, you know, last night, and I'd be like, "Yeah, of course. Why mm. wouldn't I?" You know, just I think it, I think it was almost like a, I want to be part of, I want to be part of things. I want right. to be part of the group. I don't want to feel left at whatever it is. So, so like it almost sounds like social anxiety. Uh, I don't have that stuff. Okay. I think it was just like a, it was easier, right? Yes. It was like well, it is sometimes if they're like you know this song, it's it's yes. like a, a whole thing to be like actually I don't, you don't. Oh my god! I think it was like a. Uh, uh, hey, Johnny Carmine was over. You know him, right? And I'd be like, yeah, just to keep the story going. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I didn't have to like listen to the... <laughs> I think there were a lot of reasons I was doing it. Right. But, you know, I just... At one point, I remember laying in bed and I thought, I'm going to have to remember this. And if... Have you ever seen those charts where they ask a question and then it says... Like there's chart. boxes. It yeah. says if yes, if right. no. Right, So that's what I would do at night. I'd be like, all right, if someone, if someone says this, I'll say this. Someone oh says, and gosh. I was just like, it's too much. So I was done. You know, I just... Uh, David Huntsberger was one of my friends that mm -hmm. I contacted and said, next time I see you face to face, I got to chat with you a little bit. And I've just been like, I think my lying has been out of control. Maybe I've lied to you. If I have, I apologize, blah, blah, blah. Ask me anything you want. If there's any confusion. So I had conversation with, you know, healthy amount of people like that. And was it like when I, did you, was there a sort of, here's who I really am. Remember all that stuff I said it was untrue or. Well, no, I just asked, you know, I said, I think this is the area of my life that probably I wasn't telling the most truth about. So if you have any questions about that, feel free. I'm happy to tell you. And I thought I was going to lose 
quite a few friends, but well, I, well, I didn't. They were like, all right, yeah, great. They almost seemed confused by it. They were like, right. okay, you're weird. <laughs> That's what it felt like. So, And what was the area of your life that you were lying about? I think probably the end of my marriage mm. and uh, what else would it be? Well, I mean, most mostly that, because that's what I would talk with my close friends about. Mm-hmm. You know, if I had to sit everyone down that I had told a lie to in my life, I mean, holy shit, forget it. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't be here. Yeah. <laughs> also, I need to tell you something. <laughs> you're not Eric and you're not Chad, I right? I have lied to you. <laughs> you're Tad. Tad <laughs> Daniels. <sighs> okay. So you were lying about the end. Did you feel shame about the end of your marriage? I just almost didn't... Um, I don't think I just wanted to have to explain it all the time. You know, it was like, it's a long story. Mm -hmm. So for someone to ask you something and say like, Hey, how's it going? That's, that's a lot. That's a loaded question. Right. And so instead I would just, you know, tell them whatever I thought they wanted to hear that would stop them asking questions. Mm -hmm. Yep. Where did you lie about, um, I was going to say, did you lie about big stuff? But like this kind of is big stuff. But I guess, I guess what? I mean, I so for example, I lied to, at the end of it, I lied to my wife a lot where mm. I would say things like uh, she'd go to her family's house, which I really like. I really do still love her family. Um, and I was getting audited. This is just an example. And so um, I said, I have to get this stuff done. Well, I got it done sooner than I thought. I did do it, but I got it done sooner than I thought. And then I went to the golf course instead of going to her family's house. Mm -hmm. And then she was at the golf course two days later and somebody was like, hey, I golfed with your husband the other day. And she was like, what the fuck? And so then she'd come home and she'd be like, you went to the golf course? And be like, don't have any idea what you're talking about. Immediately to get out of the consequences. Right. Um, Yeah, just kind of like a kind of a cowardly way to go through life. And so uh, this new thing where... I'm not lying is a lot easier, even though it's uncomfortable sometimes, you know, you'll be 10 minutes of, of feeling like, uh, you know, you hurt someone's feelings or whatever it is. But in my opinion, it is still better to deal with that right up front Mm -hmm. than a month later, they find out you were bullshitting. So, right. Um, was there a last straw that, or a bottom or something that made you, uh, decide to to change your ways. Yeah, I was talking with uh, my ex and just kind of like let all of it go. She was like, "Listen, I I know that you were golfing. I know blah blah blah." And I was like, "Here are some other things." And just kind of let everything go. And I felt like I pressed a reset button. Mm-hmm. And I thought, "Why would you ever get back into that?" And right. It's freeing. You know, I never understood what the truth will set you free means. Mm-hmm. I really didn't until I was, "Oh, it it lightens your load." To a point that's you can't explain it. Mm-hmm. What was her reaction to hearing all the other stuff? Oh, anger, I'm sure. You know, pretty uh, pretty upset. But I think now um, she, I can't speak for her, but I, I think she is thankful. The way she acts, it seems like she is thankful that that it all kind of came to a head. Was there? Um, hi, I'm going to ask a super nosy question. Sure, you don't have to answer. I it. might not. Ooh, I like these stakes. Um, <laughs> was there cheating? Mm-hmm. You did answer it. Yeah, at the end. Well, because... Is that what some of... Got to take accountability. Is that what some of the lying was about? Uh, to her, yeah. Yeah, probably to my friends, too, some of it. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, yeah, no, it's it's done, right? I, I, I think if you look back at the timeline, 
I probably told those friends that it was over before it was officially over. That your marriage was right, over. Correct. So, okay. So just, just to kind of... But it sounds I like mean, you were telling them the truth then. In my mind, um, no, because I, I, I told them that my marriage was, was over before it was officially over. Oh, you, so mean, that's a lie. you mean officially over yeah. as opposed to like emotionally over. Yeah, Got but it. that that doesn't count. Right? Yeah. I mean, you need to get to the finish line before. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so I yeah that was that was part of it too. And, and in my head, of course, I mean, a liar justifies everything. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a hero because I'm letting this person off the hook. They don't have to be emotionally involved. I'm just right. telling them something so they don't have to sit up at night. You know, right. that's that's what a liar tells themselves. Mm-hmm. And really, it's like fuck you, man. You're just a dick. Mm-hmm. You know. So, wow. Had did you do any of this with the help of a therapist or anything like that? Uh, not this part. I did go to therapy, and it was great. You know, I grew up in a town where um, men play sports mm-hmm. and they don't cry and they drive trucks. <laughs> I mean, not all, of course, not all, but um, but uh, you know, I did play sports. I've never had a truck, and I cry more than almost anyone. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did go to therapy, and I couldn't believe it. It was so great. I mean, there's a stigma on therapy where it's like this, what are you, weak? You can't deal with mm-hmm. it? It is fascinating to talk to someone who has no skin in the game, mm-hmm. you know, just to unload. I think it's fantastic. Did you lie to your therapist? Absolutely not. Really? No. Nope. That's good. Not because I was like, this is, this is the start of it, you know. Uh, I took me three therapists to find one that I liked. Mm. What were the ones you didn't like? like? One, <laughs> one of them grew up seven miles away from the town where I live. It's a mm. very, very small town, but they have their own high school. When you say small, like how small? So this town is probably 500 people. Oh my word. Yeah. Okay. But they have their own school. So uh, Naturally. Uh, so he ended up going to North Carolina for for college. For groceries? Yeah, for, yeah he, that's where he had to go. <laughs> he had to get in his truck and drive down for supplies. Um, and he came back. And they told me, this guy's from, you know, this town. And I got in there and he was like, well, hold on, Mr. Daniels. It's a pleasure to meet you. And I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. I can't. So people that get accents after four years, it's mind-blowing to me. Yeah, it always strikes me as, um, the word I think is like bullshit. Yeah, I think that is the word. <laughs> right, yeah. And then I told him what was going on. You know, I'm like dumping my heart onto this guy's mm-hmm. lap. And he's going, sounds like you're caught between a rock and a hard place devil in the deep blue sea and i was like are oh you, my you just come from a bumper sticker store what the fuck <laughs> are you doing so that really rubbed me the wrong way so mm-hmm. i was out there immediately um then i went to another one i thought she was great she did some like astrological stuff mm. but it felt a little too cheerleader for me mm. where she was just like it's okay that you did this because we're allowed to make mistakes i was like i i want some accountability mm-hmm. so then i found another guy who was just as matter of fact as you can be i would tell him what was going on he'd give me ways to work on it i really really appreciated that guy and so uh so you know with his help i kind of made it through the other side and that part of my life which is so strange there is like a year where I was just the happiest, mm. healthiest, you know, I'd probably ever been. And I think you fall back. Like, so I was eating healthy. I was going to the gym because I want to make sure 
like mind, body, and soul kind of a thing right. going on. Um, and then, you know, you fall back into Cadbury egg season. <laughs> and uh, We're in that season right now. Yeah, no, no, I know we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, you know, you fall back into that stuff. But the good news is, you know, I'm eating Cadbury eggs, but I'm not lying anymore. So that's nice. That is nice. It's interesting the sort of matter-of-fact way you talk about having been someone who lied a lot. Was that something that, like, did you just walk around like, yeah, I'm a liar? Was no, it in your identity? Is I, kind think of what you, I think you justify it to yourself. I think there's a way, like, you know, I was probably in a fog for a little while where it's just I'm living in this alternate universe where every, you know, it's okay what I'm doing because mm-hmm. I'm justifying it somehow. Right. And then just one day, you know, you wake up and you're like, what in the world are you doing? You know, you, it's, it's hard to think that you're just this giant piece of shit. Mm-hmm. But, um... You know, I, I was very hard on myself. I even probably lied to myself because I used to go to bed. I mean, what a miserable way to live. Listen to what I used to do. This is my routine. I'd go to bed. I would lay in bed and think about all the things I didn't finish, all the ways I failed, all blah, 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 blah. Then you wake up. You think all those things. That's what you go to bed thinking. So now your brain is on them all mm-hmm, night long. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'd like wake up, pinch my tit a little bit, like, oh, you fat ass. That, <laughs> before I even pulled the covers off. Me. Right. It's just insane. So, um, I'm sure I was lying to myself, hard on myself, just kind of like not a a happy person at all. And was this while you were still married? Yeah, it was. I was just like, um, and then one day I was like, you just need to get better. You need to be better. You need to get better. Like all this stuff. And, and it happened. It did, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard, it's hard work. I mean, to give you an example of how I stopped lying, I was at a bar, right. And I'm watching the highlights of a game and this guy again he goes hey did you see the hockey game tonight and i go yeah i did but i didn't Mm -hmm. i had just seen the highlights and so i walked to his table after he sat down and i go they were in a conversation i go hey you guys sorry to bug you i know this is weird but you asked me if i watched a game i actually didn't i just saw the highlights so i made myself accountable to correct it in front of people and everyone was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like thought I was like a shooter or something, like walking up to their table because <laughs> right. that's the weirdest thing you could say. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure that um, it was embarrassing and that I knew I was going to have to do that forever if I didn't get my shit together. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Has it affected your comedy? I don't think so. Um, I think that it's probably made it better i'm a much happier person Mm -hmm. you know now i go to bed i think of the three things i'm most thankful for during the day i wake up repeat them to myself i mean it's a whole different lifestyle Mm -hmm. and i think that um i did have that thought where oh you go to therapy you're gonna lose your edge you know (laughs) right if you're not if if, i stop doing these drugs who will i be then if you don't hate yourself your comedy is gonna be worthless you Mm -hmm. know of course that's just you trying to trick yourself into staying a piece of shit but um you know, I don't think it's, I mean, listen, watch Dad Chaniels on Amazon Prime and you mm-hmm. tell me, but uh, I don't think it has. And I, I think it's, um, I think it's been fun because I'm more honest on stage. Uh, I've always been pretty honest on stage just because it's, that was kind of therapy where I was like, oh, this is the hour a night. I'm just going to talk about my life for real. Um, but yeah, more honest on stage, uh, admitting faults admitting you know i was pretty protected about that stuff mm-hmm. and now i'm like yeah ask me whatever i'm an idiot uh, i was a liar i was blah 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 so it's it's nice um do you remember when you started lying i'm sure when i was 
started talking. I mean, you know, just to stay out of trouble. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, my mom, I was chewing Fruit Loops. I was sitting, I grabbed the Fruit Loops, went under the kitchen sink to hide from her to eat them because I wasn't allowed to eat them except for breakfast. Mm. And she opened the door and I like thought, you know, I'd push the box a little bit over. And I was so young. I can't believe I remember, but um, I had still chewing Fruit Loops. And she goes, are you eating Fruit Loops? And I'm like saying no past the Fruit Loops. <laughs> no is going from my vocal cords passing Fruit Loops <laughs> to tell her no. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, she's adult. She knew what was going on. Right. When you got in trouble, was it bad? No, not really. I mean, the worst I ever got in trouble... I was playing Foursquare, and um, everybody was kind of going through this pantsing phase mm. where you would like pull someone's yes, sweatpants I down. Remember this phase? Foursquare is that where you like throw a thing and then? Well, you bounce a ball back. It's almost like uh, so. It's one giant square. By the way, I was thinking of hopscotch. That's the, that's okay. the thing where you throw a thing. Okay, mm. so it's a giant square cut in, in uh, sectioned off right? into four. Yeah. And then there's a king and a one, two, and three spot. And the king gets to serve. But it's basically like four-person tennis, a little bit with Mm. no net. The Mm -hmm. line is the net. Uh, And so pantsing was a big thing. But it was within my friend group. And it was never at school. Mm -hmm. And so this kid um, just kept beating. Every time I got to king, he was the one that knocked me out. And so when he was king before he served, I pantsed him. Um, Could you even imagine how that would go now? I mean, <laughs> right. I'd Not be, well. I'd be in prison for the rest of mm-hmm. my life probably. But, uh, and then I, so I lied about that and then I employed, not employed, but asked two of my friends to say they were witnesses. Mm. So I got. Lied about that. Did he, was, did he tattle on you or? I'm not sure if this... he did. I think, I think it was like seen by an adult or okay. something. Um, and so I went in and so I lied so you about denied it. it. I denied it and I asked two other people to deny it. Mm-hmm. So I got 10 hours of detention for doing it. Mm-hmm. 10 hours for each person that lied. So that's 30 additional hours. Cause my of word. And then I was grounded for three months. So two of those months were summer. So this was, this was May, the beginning of May. And I was grounded until uh, almost August. That seems like a lot of grounding. Well, you know, you pull, here's the thing. If I would have pulled his pants down and been like, I'm sorry I pulled your pants down. I don't know what happened. I've been doing this thing with my buddies, as stupid as it is. I was upset with you because you kept knocking me out. You specifically kept knocking me out. Um, I shouldn't have done it, uh, but I did. Mm-hmm. And I just take your lumps. That is the biggest thing. I tell my kids all the time, take your lumps because your lumps multiply the further they go down the, the trail, you know? If, if you had done that... Do you think you would have been grounded for less time? I think so. Absolutely. Because this was a big to do. Because the more you lie, the more trouble, the more people they have to get in to come question. I mean, it was like this whole bullshit situation. Mm -hmm. But it didn't teach you not to lie. No, it sure didn't. What Mm -hmm. did it teach you? Um, Not to get caught? Hi, I'm going to answer your questions. Sorry. No, no, no. I mean, maybe. Maybe it did teach me not to get caught because you think like uh, maybe it taught me to examine how they approached it and a way to find holes in it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. What were the terms of being grounded? Terms of being grounded were um, for the first two months in the house. So anytime I was not at school and so summer I was in the house. Um, and then the last month I was allowed to go in the yard. And, no, 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 that's not right. 
First month was in the house. Second month was in the yard. No friends could be in the yard. Mm. Third month was outside. Friends could be in the yard. I couldn't go to their house. That's what it was. Do you ground your kids? I've never grounded my kids because I just like, I. <laughs> this is going to sound horrible. I just like don't, if they have an opportunity to go do something with friends and live life, I want them to do that. But plus my kids have never really done anything worthy of grounding. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you, do you feel like you were deprived of the opportunity to live life and have friends? No, I had a lot of friends. I just think that it was like, I mean, it was teaching a lesson and that that's, that's what you, how you punish your kids at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, you just grounded them. And now I've taken my kid's phone away a lot, mm. both of them. So yeah. that's kind of the new, the new grounding. Yeah. I mean, I guess, were you ever hit? Um, not, not hit like aggressively hit, but spanked you know, kind of grabbed by the shoulders, that kind of stuff, but nothing, nothing that wasn't normal for that time. And mm-hmm. it was never, um, never a situation where like I, as soon as I did something, I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get spanked for that. So I even knew it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, I need to talk about the most luxurious sheets you'll ever sleep on. And then we're coming back and we're talking <laughs> more about this because I need to know how you got into comedy Listen, Chad Daniels, you spend a third of your life in sheets. Look, I don't know how often you sleep. I, w- I would, my, my dream is to spend more than a third of my life in sheets. I, I would like at least like, I don't know, four fifths. No, that's, that's, I overshot. I need to have a little talk with myself about fractions, but here's the thing. It's time for a bedding upgrade. I'm talking about Brooklyn and sheets. I currently sleep on Brooklyn and sheets. I've slept on them for a long time. I have one set. I need to get another set because I have... There, I have this one set and I just take them off my bed. I wash them and then I put them right back on because I really do sleep better on them than other sheets. And I don't know why, except I know that they're really comfortable. They're thick, but they're not hot. Um, and uh, Brooklyn and Sheets were named the winner of the best of online bedding category by Good Housekeeping. They have 35,000 five plus five-star reviews, more than any other online bedding company. They're created by a husband and wife uh, team who stayed in a hotel, loved the bedding, as they were checking out, they said, where can we get these sheets? And they were told you can get them, you know, at, at this place, but it was like thousands of dollars or something. And they thought this is insane. There's got to be a way that we can make, can f- find sheets for less than this, but then also make them. They're revolutionizing the sheet industry, you guys. Uh, normally sheets are marked up by as much as 300%. These are luxury sheets underpriced. My Brooklyn and sheets are the best, most comfortable sheets I've ever slept on. Now it's time for your upgrade. Brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer just for my listeners. Get 10% off your first order and free shipping when you use promo code BESTFRIEND at Brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. The only way to get 10% off your first order and free shipping is to use promo code BESTFRIEND at Brooklinen.com. That's Brooklinen, B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N, dot com promo code best friend brooklinen these really are the best sheets ever they really are okay chad daniels um (laughs) when did comedy start comedy started when i was 23 years old and what was your uh aspiration before that uh i didn't really have him you know i just uh I think I, deep down I always wanted to do stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just kind of hopped around from meaningless job to meaningless job until my friend signed me up for an open mic and that was it. 
If your friend signed you up, you had, but had you like, did you have any material yet? How did that go? No, my friends uh, signed me up. Uh, I threw myself a retirement party because I got fired at 23 and I got from a little, what job? Uh, Xerox. Oh. And so I was just like, all right, guys, I'm done. I tried it. I'm out. <laughs> tried what? Be, having a job? Yeah. yeah. Working. <laughs> like a real job. Right. And so uh, we went out and they just signed me up and that was, that was that. They knew I wanted to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. I wanted to do it for a long time. The first time. Uh, I ever watched myself on television. I invited my mom over and she brought this little survey from kindergarten. You know, you fill out, uh-huh. what do you want to be when you grow right. up? And I put comedian on it. Oh, So I watched my grandpa listen to comedians a lot and just to see, to see words on a record affecting someone that I looked up to so much that affect in a way that he was laughing so hard, his shoulders were shaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, who, that was fascinating to me. Who were the comics that he would listen to? Um, I know it was Newhart for sure. I don't really know. I can't really remember the other ones. I don't, I always want to say it's Red Fox, but that doesn't make sense. I think we watched Sanford and Son. Mm -hmm. I think that's where I'm getting that from. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know he watched Hee Haw, which is like completely different from Sanford and Son. Yeah. Uh, And All in the Family. And just to watch him just, just the way he like, he kind of had a little Barney Rubble laugh. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was just very interesting. I remember watching it as a kid, just thinking like, how was this doing this to a person? Right. You know? Were you close with your grandfather? Yeah. Mom's dad or dad's dad? Mom's dad. Mm-hmm. Did he ever see you perform? Uh, he did not. No. So my grandma did. My grandma's been part of my act, and she always thought that was so funny, where she's just like, oh, so am I famous? <laughs> She'd always ask, am I famous? So you started doing open mics. Um, then what? Uh, six months into open mic... I got asked to audition to house MC in a place called Grand Forks, North Dakota. It had a comedy club called Scott Hansen's Comedy Gallery. And you would think no one would go there, right? Mm-hmm. But my audition week was Mitch Hedberg. Oh, wow. So um, a lot of people know Mitch used to wear those blue glasses on stage. He actually got those at a gas station driving from Minneapolis to Grand Forks that trip. And so um, he was playing... Uh, the whole CD and he was playing the um, Wyclef Jean CD. So now when I hear those songs, it brings me back to that week immediately mm-hmm. because he was just so nice, you know, and this is before like the big trouble started with him. Mm-hmm. He was just like, Hey, let's go get some vodka. So we have it for later. And we'd sit around and chit chat and he was just the nicest. And so when I came back after my two week hiatus, cause I got the job, um, people would go, Hey, this is a guy that knows Hedberg. And so it was an automatic, like, cool level Mm -hmm. just because you you knew him and so um so then i was up there for six months and that's when my uh, how far how far away is that from minneapolis from minneapolis it's probably three five hours so did you like did you move there during those i did i stayed well i stayed in a motel for the nights i was working and then i would go back to minneapolis on my off nights Mm -hmm. because my ex-wife wife girlfriend at the time pregnant with my son Mm. So three weeks, I hadn't even really unpacked all my stuff yet. And uh, she called me up and she she said, I'm pregnant. And I said, all right, I'll just come back down. She goes, mm-hmm. well, I don't really need you here till the third trimester so I can get by. Just if, as long as you come home on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I think right. it'll be fine. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So you get some Hedberg fame. Then what? <laughs> it's actually my my bio. Or, you know, like my intro used right. to be like, open for Mitch Hedberg. It really <laughs> was. Uh, it's the only credit I had. 
Um, so it went on the road. Like he took me on the road with him. Some of the other comedians took me on the road with them. Then I just started kind of working one nighters and, and being the middle act at one nighters and slowly became the middle act at, you know, comedy clubs and then started headlining one nighters and then slowly became the last guy at comedy clubs. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. Started making albums, sending him to Pandora. Is Pandora where all the millions of streams are from? Yeah. Pandora and Spotify. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Pandora has been more helpful than anything ever because you can accidentally bump into someone, you know, you're right. like someone's listening to Bill Burr, for example, um, and you're on their station. They can, all they have to do is click a button and they add your station. Mm-hmm. And so it's just been unbelievable. So you said that you were sending your albums to Pandora. Can anyone send an album to Pandora? Well, I believe so, but I did have a record label, Stand Up Records out mm-hmm. of Minneapolis and uh, the... CEO of that, Dan Schlissel, would take care of all that stuff. He'd record it, he'd edit it, he'd package it, he'd send it off to where it needed to go, and did, then that was that. Did you, when you first heard that you were going to be on Pandora, did you realize what a boon that was going to be for you? I, I'm assuming it, that it has been a huge boon for you, yes? It has. Yeah. I didn't realize, it had, It was like four years before I even knew Pandora had comedy. Mm-hmm. So I had no clue. People were like, heard you on Pandora. I was like, how could that be? <laughs> right. I don't have any songs. Um. Yeah, it's just it's it's been unbelievable how much it's helped. So, what is that like having? Because um, so I I have a journalism background. I used to write about music, and there's a lot of bands where you, where you see that happen, where they have this humongous grassroots following, but they're not as well known as people who are like critical darlings. Well, actually, but you're like a comics, you're a comedian's comedian, right? Well, sorry, that, that was that, well, that, that wasn't even a question. That's just not for, that's not something I can answer. Yeah. Um, here's my question for you. Are you recognized a lot? No. Okay. I mean, perfect. There's okay. my question. <laughs> okay. I can go into I can go into the comedy club where I will be performing and people are there to see me and no one knows who I am because they've only heard me on Pandora. Yeah. So what is that experience like? Well, I've been yelled at. I've been yelled at online for uh just like, I've been listening to you for five years and I finally saw a picture of you and you don't look anything like... I'm disappointed. One lady said, I thought you were going to be fat with glasses. This is like, I'm, I'm upset that you're not. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Right. So Could you try to be fatter with... Uh... I'm trying to be fatter, but I, I have great vision. Right. So like, what am I going to do? By the way, it sounds like I was calling you fat, which I wasn't. I'm Could not... you try to be fat is what I mean to say. I'm not worried about it. That's okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, You know, I was at... A, the Tampa Bay club side splitters. And I was wearing a black t-shirt sitting in the back and right by the door. Cause I was watching uh, Dave Huntsberger came mm. with me and, uh, watching him and a woman came back and she goes, can you, excuse me, can you tell me where the bathroom is? And I go, yep, it's right over here. Just take a right over here. And she goes, oh, that voice, you're him. <laughs> so I never get recognized facially, but again, you could look at 15 pictures and it's 15 different people. Mm-hmm. So, um, I thought I was getting recognized. <laughs> Somebody goes, no way, and came up and high-fived me. And I was like, this is it. And they go, you're Rebecca's cousin, right? And I was like, oh, damn it. Nope, I'm not. <laughs> do you do you want to be recognizable? I don't think so. I really enjoy how this, like, people will come. I mean, I'm not getting huge numbers at shows, but I'm, you know, like people come to the club. They, they want to see the comedy. And then it's like, that's it. You know, it's wonderful. I can't imagine some people that can't go outside. Like, right. you know, we talked about Segura earlier. I bet you 
you know, there's a lot of times where he's trying to do something and people are screaming at him, bikes mm-hmm. or something. Um, so he executive produced your album. He did. How did that come about? Uh, I had fired my manager and had n- no one to help do anything. And I had this hour that I was sitting on. And I was like, I really like this hour. I got to figure this out. So I called him up and I go, hey, man, you know how Amy Schumer is doing this thing where people are getting specials, but it's like Amy Schumer presents. I go, I really, I absolutely don't want your name in the title, <laughs> but I would love it if I could put it out as an executive producer. So when I try to sell it, people will know your name because that dude's on a rocket ship. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody respects him and they should. He's very funny. Everybody loves him. Uh, and so he said, yes. And then some time passed. I got a new manager. I got an agency behind me and uh, a production company. And they were like, why is he why is he on as executive producer? And I go, well, cause we made a deal. Like when none of you were around, we had a deal. And so then I called him up and I go, Hey, just so you know, um, you know, I don't need anything from you. I just, I am still going to keep your name on the thing. And he goes, what's this about? <laughs> I mean, he'd still, he didn't remember it all. He goes, so then he was like, Oh my God, what, what do you need for, did I tell you I do something? And I was like, relax. I'm just telling you, your name's going to be on it if that's still all right. And he goes, yeah, of course. You know, he's whatever. And, uh, but it was really kind of adorable when he mm-hmm. was like, what do we need to do? Did I say something? <laughs> That's so did sweet. I tell you I do something? <laughs> it was great. So did he, is it, did he have more involvement than just his name? No. Oh, I mean, I mean, other than putting it on social media, which, you know, he has a zillion followers on everything. Right. So yeah, he put it out on social media and he's always been really nice. Even my last album, um, I was trying to, you know, push it across and, and he was nice enough to put it on his uh instagram and twitter and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so i mean he's a guy that is very helpful there are a lot of people in comedy that are extremely helpful and if they like your stand-up they'll do whatever they can yeah he and his wife are the ones um who when i uh no longer well got fired by adam carolla and went off on my own and was sort of like getting my my shit together to 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 my podcast myself um and was trying to figure out, am I going to stay with my old ad people? Am I going to, you know, where am I going to go? And um, they're like, let us connect you with our ad people. And it was through them. Like they kind oh, of, that's t- great. yeah, it's through them that, that I now, and I still work with them and they're wonderful. Yeah. Tom and Christina are great. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. We love them. Why did you fire your manager? Just wasn't working out. Um, you know, I have my reasons and I, I feel like it would be kind of maybe therapeutic to dump mm. on this person, but uh, I'd rather not. Okay. I'll let you have that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, how And did you know Tom Segura? How did you know Tom? We went uh, and toured Asia together. It, for um, that documentary. Yeah, I Need You to Kill. Yeah, so we met on the airplane. Mm-hmm. But it was really interesting because we'd never ever met, and this is, this is before this, right? This... Um, I went to a place called the Comedy Mix in Vancouver, and this guy just called me out of this manager, called me out of the blue, gave me a week, and I got up there, and I go, so just, I mean, how did you, why'd you do that? And he goes, well, we got a guy that comes through all the time, we love him, and uh, I asked him, I need some fresh blood, who should I get? And he just couldn't stop saying your name, and it was Segura, so. Oh, that's so nice. Um, yeah, so. But you didn't know him at that point? No, we'd never met. Right. Mm-mm. I wonder where he had encountered you. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe just kind of like, you know, you kind of hear about people through the grapevine and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Maybe. What was that like uh, doing? We need you. To, what was it? I, I need you to kill. My, for some reason, my brain refuses 
to latch on to that title. But yes, even though it's a good title. Well, it, uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense unless you know the story of the guy that um, Jamie Gong, the guy that owned the comedy club there, mm-hmm. and he was just so intense, and he came up and he was just like, "Okay, guys, tonight I need you to kill." <laughs> And we yeah. were like, well, I mean, That's the plan. we're going to try. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you needing us to do something is going to make it happen more. I mean, arguably, that kind of pressure makes it not happen as much. Yeah. I mean, if you want to make sure you bomb in comedy, tape your set. <laughs> record your set. Right. If you need it for like late night, record it and see how that goes. <laughs> It'll be great. So what was that like doing that week and, and being in that documentary? And by the way, you are so... F- you're you're you have so many like hilarious little asides in that documentary oh thanks which everyone should go see uh i can i can um endorse the first i have not seen the whole thing yet okay but i intend to now for all i know your humor falls off a cliff after the point at which i've seen but i don't i mean the ending is great Segura does something that's so funny at the last show that I would, I would, you know, when you get some time in like, uh, 18 years, I was just going to say, yeah, (laughs) um, I was trying to do the math. Uh, when you get some time, I would say, check out the ending. I will. I will. Okay. So yeah. What was that experience like? Uh, it was great. You know, we just toured around Pete Lee is uh, the other comedian that was there. He's been my friend forever in comedy. I mean, we started off together at Acme comedy company and, uh, it was just really neat to see a different part of the world and then get to do stand up in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you get selected for that? Um, I don't really know. I mean, the guy that owns Acme Comedy Company grew up in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And so he just picked three people. And it says in the documentary, Segura wasn't on the list initially. Right. <laughs> um, I, what's the guy's name? Jake Johansson. Oh, okay. I believe was the third. And then he couldn't do it. So they... Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Segura's... Yeah, Segura has a funny line about it in the in Like the he didn't need to know that he was right. <laughs> the second choice. Um, okay, let's take some questions that people sent in on Twitter and on Patreon uh, and my one friend who, when he found out that you were going to be on the show, he started texting me questions for you. So they're coming from all directions. Okay, let's do it. Uh, I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go. There's all different reward levels. You can get behind the scenes stuff. You can get bonus episodes, access to a live stream that I do once a month. There's a level where you get merch in the mail. It's so much access to me. You'll beg me to leave you alone. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. And there's a little jingle. When we ask, they send them in, they're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay, this one came in on Patreon. Jennifer would like to know, what was your favorite school or after-school snack growing up? Ooh, growing up, I would have to say it was probably uh, at school, the chocolate milk, Mm -hmm. and then outside of school, Pop-Tarts. What flavor pop tart? I like a strawberry. I like. I mean, we didn't have s'mores then when mm-hmm. I was. A, but uh, I mean, now as an adult, I love s'mores. Interesting. You Why is that have, interesting? Because you might have strong feelings about what I'm about to say. Okay. Just last night, just last night, I was saying I think that chocolate and marshmallow together are a little bit overrated. Like a overrated. Like a, yeah, like a. But but in between graham crackers. Well, I wasn't, a, I wasn't speaking of s'mores specifically, but okay. where do you stand on like a chocolate-covered marshmallow bunny or something? I can't eat them. Why? I don't like them. Okay. Well, then it we're on the same It doesn't page. make any sense to me. You need, your, you need the gram in there. And I need the marshmallow to be toasted. 
I mean, it's got to have that kind of smoky mm. and I need the chocolate to be melted. Yeah. Do you consider yourself high maintenance? When it comes to s'mores, I consider myself a normal human being because that's how they're made. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. So Greg Heller is, uh, the, my listeners know who that is because he's someone who used to be on the show a lot. Greg Heller, this is, he texted me. He said, I can't believe you're having Chad Daniels on. I love that dude. Uh, and he said, ask him how the touch my balls plan is working out with his daughter. Uh, Please say you know what this is a reference to. I 100% do. Okay. So I have a story on one of my albums about how when my daughter was in kindergarten, she came home and she goes, she was playing catch. She goes, dad, Stacy and I were playing catch and she hit me right in the balls. <laughs> now at this time, she had only heard that area of a human body referred to as the balls because right. she had an older brother. And I know that a great move as a dad would have been to explain all of that to her. But I thought, what if I used it to my advantage? That way on her first date, she'd be making out and she'd be like, oh, touch my ball. <laughs> and then I wouldn't have to worry about anything. Right. That would be great. That's smart. Okay. And right. it's working out great. Good. Yeah. Still, you still have decided to stay the course. Yeah. When she uh, got her, as I was saying earlier, got her first period at my house mm-hmm. and she said, dad, my balls are bleeding. <laughs> what was that like? Because I remember what getting my first period was like in that whole phase of my life. I never really thought of how it impacted my dad, though. Like, what was that like for you? I was ready. I had been listening to podcasts. I had been reading up on it. Because I, I didn't want to have to send, like, if she asked me something, if I could help her, I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Because I always thought, what a weird thing to be like, you only talk to, to your, your mom about, about that. Yeah. I mean, what a strange division in a household. Right. right. And so especially since her mom isn't there, I couldn't go, hey, go upstairs and ask your mom. Mm -hmm. I'd have to say, call your mom. She lives eight blocks away. And so uh, I wanted to be able to help and I I was ready. I mean, I was ready for all of it. And, um, you know, we talk about it now and laugh. Are there a lot of podcasts you can listen to about this? Well, I'm sure I'm on a list because I searched (laughs) podcasts about first periods Mm. and just whatever. And, you know, I, I learned things that I would have never known. I didn't know that two years leading up to a girl's first period, all of those hormones every month, they're PMSing every single month leading up to the first period. I didn't know that either. Yeah. So all the hormones, everything that's going on in your body that is associated with a period Mm -hmm. is going on well before a period. So then you kind of just kind of know, you know, you're like, um, if there's something that's just absolutely unreasonable that's going on in your house, you're like, okay, well, let's, let's take a step back and look at this from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. So... And I, but I assume that you have that conversation within yourself because you can't talk to your, you can't say to your daughter, this is hormones. Right. No, I never, yeah. Yeah. I never do that kind of stuff. By the way, if no one watches my special after how funny I'm being on this podcast, (laughs) (laughs) did you see a special? I just talked about lying and stuff. It was so fucking sad. (laughs) Your team has left, by the way. (laughs) I know. I can't can't hear them anymore. Absolutely Ubering home. Uh, okay. Greg also wants to know if you've ever considered moving to LA or New York to write. I have not. You've never considered it. Uh, not until my daughter graduates and then I'm going to have to see. So my daughter has four years before she graduates, three and a half before she graduates. And by that time, my son could have a child. So I don't know. It's just going to have to see what goes on. But Mm. have I ever considered it? No, I have not because of my children. And have you felt like it's hindered you? to not be in LA or New York? No, because I think whatever I missed out on career-wise could not even touch what I would have missed out on dad-wise. Does that make sense? Totally. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it especially makes sense to me 
Well, I think it makes sense to everyone. But to me, who now has just had another kid and is sort of kind of trying to figure out how much have my ambitions changed? Is this temporary? was like, because I'm sort of right in the thick of these things that I thought I wanted. Do I really want them anymore? And, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, and when when I say, I'd like to clear something up. When I say, you know, because of my kids, uh, I stayed there. Um, I also wanted to stay there for them to enjoy their life, mm-hmm. and because I knew that I think I would get, I would get more out of it if they were with cousins and around family and really, really enjoying that part of life. I mm-hmm. would also get more out of it. So when I say because of my kids, I just mean I can't leave them there; they're not old enough. Or right. My daughter isn't at this point. Right. Okay. On Patreon, Jeff Osuna says, how did he and Huntsberger meet? I found him on Pandora and would like to know how that success hit him. Was it a gradual change or did he notice right away? It was very gradual and it was because of people like him finding me on Pandora. Mm -hmm. So uh, Huntsberger and I met, this is, I, I love this story. He was working at Cap City Comedy Club in Austin, Texas, um, I went down there, I was headlining. The feature act was a guy named Mario DiGiorgio, who had run the Velveeta Room down there, which is another comedy club. Uh, great comedian, amazing t-shirts that he makes. Uh, so Huntsberger is emceeing, and Mario, Mario DiGiorgio and Huntsberger had both gotten Premium Blend, which is a show that used to be on Comedy Central. I had been turned down for it for the fourth consecutive year. And so I was talking about that at the bar, and normally the MC asks you like, hey, what do you want for an intro? But Dave didn't ask me. He just went up on stage and he goes, your headliner tonight is the only one on the show that didn't get premium blend this year. And I, I walked up and I go, I think we're going to be best friends. That was so funny. <laughs> and we've been friends ever since. I love that. Yeah, we ran a marathon together. I mean, we've done like a traveled a bunch and you know, done some shows. So mm-hmm. we've done a lot of stuff together. And it all came down to him introing me like that and just... He was nervous because when you could tell when he turned from the mic, he looked at me like a puppy that you caught eating out of the trash can. Right. But uh, it was so funny to me. So funny. Yeah. He was probably like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know his – well, of course you do uh, know his whole crazy appendicitis yeah. tour through uh, Puerto Rico's medical system story. Yeah. Yes. That's insane. It's not insane. I mean, he's. It's. I'm glad he's doing well now. And Dave's one of these guys that – he doesn't want to worry anybody or he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want all the attention on him. So it was, you know, when he would tell me like, oh, there's a, they're just putting a tube down my throat, but it's like no big deal. And then I come to find out later, it's a huge deal, you know? So, um, you know, he, he took a little bit he of downplayed a, it a well, little bit. Well, he, you know, he, I almost grounded him. <laughs> I feel like, uh, this is the David Huntsberger portion of the podcast. I feel like he's changed a tiny bit. Have so? you noticed this? He, I just think he might be a little bit darker now. Oh, I don't know. I think I think he's always had that a little bit. Um, he's had that little kind of thing. Right. I mean, he was a lot more playful the first time I ever saw him do stand-up. You mm-hmm. know, he had this thing where um, one of his jokes was, I can't remember, this is the punchline, but just know that it makes sense and it's not offensive in any way. But he goes, I am a Mexican robot. <laughs> And it was just like that kind of goofy stuff yes. that um, I just fell in love with his stand-up. And um, he's changed. I mean, he, he's... I, I mean specifically changed like a, since as, since 
being in the hospital. Like oh. I feel like, because so I, so this show comes out twice a week. Monday is the one-on-one that we're doing right now. Sure. And then Thursday is a panel show. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that he's on a lot. And he doesn't do it every week, but usually a couple times a month. And then he, so we had talked about his plans for Puerto Rico and he was sure. going to bring his tourism dollars there. He's going to go zip lining. And then he was out. He wasn't able to do the show for, it was a couple of months. It was mm-hmm. a while. Um, and so then he's been back a few times since. And I just, I could be, I could be projecting, I could be imagining it, but I, my, I sense that he's just a little more serious now. I mean, I would imagine that that would have left a mark on him. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I haven't noticed it that much cause we're pretty goofy when we're together, yeah. but, um, I would, I would think so too. You know, you're in a, um, in a hospital for that long, you know, kind of he speaks a little Spanish. Right. Um, I would, it's traumatic. It had to have been scary for him. So I'm, maybe he's just kind of reevaluating his uh, priorities. Right. I don't know. Or maybe I've decided that that experience would traumatize someone and therefore I'm like seeing signs of it that, that aren't could there. Be. I mean, he did tell me face to face that he can't stand you, but well, that's not true. What else did he say? That's not true. Thank you. I know. I um, wait. I think I cut you off though, because I think you were going to say something about him, though, about him changing or something. I was just going to say his stand-up has definitely evolved into something else. I mean, yes. it's, you know, his stories are. Um, I could listen to him do stand-up for ten days in a row. I think he's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I love how philosophical yeah, his stuff is. Absolutely. Um, all right, we have a question from Twitter. Elmore Rual Torn says. Uh, is he getting laid? I know divorce is rough and he has the kids, but I really hope he's getting laid. He's a good guy. He deserves it. <laughs> I love what makes you a good guy deserving of sex. sex? I don't know. Um, I have a girlfriend. So the answer is yes. Uh, and that is, that's kind of it. Well, you deserve it. Thank um, you so much. And lastly, Gre- L. Greg Pineda says, I am so excited that you are having him on the show. Ask him if he got into any trouble with Tom Segura that wasn't shown on I Need You to Kill. Uh, it wasn't really with Tom, but I did. Uh, it was raining one night and we were in this area called Soho, which is there's a hill that spans two two city blocks. I mean, it's, and it's almost straight down. So they have built in an escalator because it's dangerous for people to walk up and down this hill. What, where was this? In uh, Soho, Hong Kong. Okay. And so, um, it was raining and people are misting, but people, there's a roof on the, um, the escalator. And so people were waiting in line to use the escalator. Plus it was very slippery because it's, there's a lot of smog in that city. And so when it rains, it gets very slimy on these bricks. Well, I thought, I'm not waiting in that line. I was a little bit buzzed up because I was doing some Jagger bombs mm. like a grown-up because <laughs> I had jet lag and I was just exhausted. And right. I, I so knew, that's the time yeah, to drink a lot of Jaeger. Let's pump it up. <laughs> so I'm a little bit buzzed up and I see these wet bricks and they're very slippery and I go, well, I'm from Minnesota. I have um, been sledding down slippery hills my whole life. So I grabbed uh, a trash can lid, a plastic one. Oh, wow. And I flipped it over. And there's a video of this somewhere. I I don't I think Pete Lee has it, but I ran and uh, ran and jumped onto this thing on my belly and just took off like Christmas vacation when mm-hmm. it was Chris Goda. Mm-hmm. I take off down the hill and I can't stop. And I'm getting closer and closer to this main road. <laughs> 
And so Tom Segura is already down at the bottom of the hill. He's taken the escalator. He's got his head in a taxi cab trying to negotiate getting us back to our hotel. Mm -hmm. I'm going down the hill and I realize I'm not going to stop before this street because it's straight downhill. So I dig my toes in of my leather boots. They are now ruined. They're just big holes in them. Uh, I hit a puddle skip through the puddle and I'm in the almost the middle of one of the lanes. So I have to do the backwards worm. Right? I go up on my chest and I have to push myself backwards. And as soon as I do, a cab comes by. Oh my God. I know. And I felt my hair move. I mean, it was moving, right? So I was very lucky. Push myself back into the puddle. Segura pulls his head out of the taxi cab, looks at me and he goes, what the fuck? And then right back into the cab. That was it. Like, not are you okay? Not yeah. anything. Just, I think I startled him. So... Uh-huh. Uh, but it was that was a pretty ridiculous thing to do. Was that fun? It was very fun. I love stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, but it sounds terrifying. Well, as well, looking back, it's like if the cab would have started its journey two seconds earlier. I mean, my kids are living off insurance. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I love doing things like that, but I do after something that close happens. I'm like, God, you're such a dummy. What's the closest call? That might be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, it would have exploded my head. Right. Certainly. So I think that's probably the closest I've ever come to dying. Unless someone's listening right now that was like, mm, I had a rifle pointed <laughs> right. at you during one of your shows. Yeah. That's scary to think about. A rifle? Mm. Yeah. Someone wanted to take you out at one of your shows. Yeah, I think so. But I mean, if it had, what a closer. <laughs> Am I right? Follow it's that. Literally going out. For Follow the day. that. Yeah, I know. Um, I, th- I think that I would be scared shitless careening down that steep, steep, wet hill. I just thought it was so fun. And now, and that's not because you were drunk. No, I think it was more of like a just being an idiot with your guy pals. Mm-hmm. One of those things. Okay, I can. Buy I mean, that. there's that old joke like, uh, "What's the what's the last words of a redneck?" Hey, watch this. <laughs> And I, it was one of those situations, for sure. Yeah. Chad Daniels, it's been so nice getting to know you. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Uh, so you're in town. Are you in town to do press? Just that, yep. Are you, are you doing shows or just uh-uh, press? I'm taking the nights off. But you are in the midst of a tour, right? I am, yeah. So I go home for 10 days, and then I hit the tour again uh, at the beginning of May in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, Comedy on State. Mm. It's one of the best clubs in the country, and I'm not just saying that. It really is. So tell everyone where they can go to find you. I will put a link to the the special Great. Uh, in the episode summary, which will be on alisonrosen.com and iTunes and all the places you get podcasts. But yeah, tell, plug everything you'd like to plug. So if you want uh, tour dates, chaddaniels.com is a great place to go. If you are not good at seeing something and remembering it, mm. you can follow me on Instagram at thatchaddaniels. And then I just post every week when I'm going to be somewhere. So hopefully that'll remind you. And uh, I don't like Twitter. I think Twitter is uh, ridiculous because you can craft the funniest joke in the world and get 17 likes and somebody goes, my depression is gnar. <laughs> and all of a sudden they have 300,000 retweets. It's just mind blowing to me. Yeah. So I don't really care for Twitter. So mm. I'm not on there a lot. Mm. Yeah, I. No one needed to hear that. I just realized no, that. I just went into a little rant while I'm trying to like get people to my stuff. That's fine though. I feel sometimes I feel myself turning on Twitter, and I used to really like Twitter. It's I still check it six thousand times a day, even though that's not healthy. But yeah, I just uh, 
Twitter was fun. It's when yelling it was, into the void. Yeah, Twitter was fun when it was jokes and mm. when it was recipes and it was like interesting, kind of interesting facts. And now it's just a lot of bitching and it's yes. a lot of people that feel safe enough to tell you whatever they want, mm. even though face to face, no chance. Right. I don't really care for that. Yeah. It's once we once you remove physical violence from a situation, then people start cocking off, and I'm not into it. Mm. No, I'm not a physically violent person. Let me say that. Okay. But I feel safe telling an MMA fighter on Twitter, you know, you fucking suck, you wimpiest guy in the world. Face to face, I'd be like, can I get you something? Do you need me to (laughs) carry anything for you? Yeah. One of those. Same. Okay. I think we have that in common. (laughs) Thank you again for coming on the show. Um... Uh, my website, alicefernosen.com, has everything that you guys would want to find. Well, actually, that's a really that really is not true at all. And I've been inspired to honesty by Chad Daniels. It doesn't have everything you'd want to find, but it has a lot of things you'd want to find related to me. For example, I have a book out. Go to my website. All the info is there. Uh, also, um, T-shirts, ringtones, etc. Please subscribe, download, review, tell your friends. Do all those things. Listen to my other podcast uh, with Greg Fitzsimmons. It's called Childish. And uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Rosen on both of them. Thank you so much for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know and Rose and Show. We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Alice and Rose.